<clears throat> hey, Google, who is the coach of the Carolina Panthers? Head coach of the Carolina Panthers. You're damn right he is, Google. <laughs> Let's go! Newton has to go play action, fakes it to pass it into the yes, touchdown to Greg Olson. Just got it away. There's Keith Lee. Touchdown, Carolina. Hello, welcome to the inaugural 2020 Keep Sounding podcast. Coming right off the news of the Panthers finally hiring a new head coach after how many years of Ron Rivera. Here we are. It's 2020. It's a new year. It's a new us. John, how are you doing this evening? I'm fabulous, Brian. Great. That's how, are, just how, great. how are you? I'm you good. I would say that I rule right now. <laughs> I was one. I was thinking if there was a way to get that in there, but yep, it's because I rule. Brad, how are you? I am great. Good. Good. So I guess to really, there's no real way to enter this without talking about the new head coach that we just found out about. Um, obviously, Ron Rivera was fired at the end of the season. We already talked about that in our last podcast, and we took a little bit of a hiatus because I think we all kind of needed our sanity for the holidays. Um, <laughs> and it wasn't like it was any different with Will Greer in there instead of Kyle Allen. Like, the Panthers still sucked. They still Their rush defense still sucked. Coaching still sucked. Didn't matter that Ron Rivera wasn't here. So I don't think anybody would have listened to podcasts over the last like four weeks of the season just no. because it was the exact same thing every week, and it was meaningless, and it was extra meaningless because every knowing that all the coaching staff's going to be gone, so it's not like there's like oh let's see what kind of like young guys are to build off of because the main ones like for some reason. Yeah, I mean the only thing that we could have talked about positive would have been Christian McCaffrey. That's yeah, it. which we've and done DJ all Morgan fucking season. And, and, and yeah, that's pretty much all we've talked about. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I know that there have been times in our, in our times as a podcast where we've been a little repetitive talking about things, but it literally would have been no different from week to week to week <laughs> because the Panthers' run defense sucked. They couldn't do anything other than get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Their quarterbacks weren't good, so. We lost I, to the Colts because we gave up two punt return touchdowns. Yeah, that was a new one. We could have bitched about that for a while. But <laughs> I apologize because if you did want to listen to us bitch about the Panthers, I, I do apologize. But it got to a point where we would message each other and be like, hey, do we want to do a podcast? And it just wouldn't work out schedule-wise. And even then, I don't think any of us were really willing to push our schedules for seeing our loved ones, friends, and family to talk about how much <laughs> Kyle Allen sucks each week. So. Well, hey, we could have talked about how much Will Greer sucks, too. Or like, Will Greer. It could have been a little different. <laughs> That's true. But it's a new year. It's a new us. And the Panthers went into the offseason. They interviewed a ton of candidates. It was actually kind of nice to see them be a little uh, reserved with how they went about things. They interviewed Mike McCarthy several times. They interviewed Eric Bieniemy several times. Um, I don't know how many times they interviewed Rule. Um I feel like they like made... just one once. Yeah. One just life-changing interview with well, with Rule. 
funny you say well, that. David Tepper um, went to his house. Like that's it's the reverse Jerry Jones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to make a sex joke. Um, <laughs> so good. Restraint. Um, I will say that I remember I saw a reading somewhere that David Tepper decided halfway through the interview that he was going to hire rule. Yes. He told the local media that today that he, in the middle of the interview, it went from an, a job interview to a planning session on how to recruit coaches and medical staff and training staff and analysts and, and et cetera. And it became, it was no longer a job interview. It was, as he called it, a planning session and that he knew halfway through that that's who he wanted, that he went from being a candidate to the candidate within however many hours they were there. Not going to make a sex joke. Not going to make a sex joke. He, I can understand why, though, because hearing like, the little snippets that have popped up on Twitter since this news broke, Matt Rule sounds exa- like what David Tepper would create if he could go in a lab and create his ideal head coach. Yes. Like he's, got the t- he's all about toughness, and he's got that old-school, like, gritty mentality, but then he's all about analytics and as much as i hate that word he's all about using like height weight speed athletic measurements to find prospects that might be under the radar he's about sports science and development and all this stuff that like it's like we hear nba coaches talk about i kind of used that analogy earlier today in the comment section but it's not an nfl thing and i think that's exactly what tepper wants one thing that encouraged me about the the using measurements and stuff it's not it's not necessarily that they're going to say, well, this, this guy ran a 4.3540 and instead of a 4.3840, we're going to draft him. Uh, he, he did one, he mentioned one thing that there was a guy when he was at Baylor that they, that all the other schools that were trying to recruit him wanted him to play offensive line. And they looked at his measurements and his his speed and all that and they were like you know this guy would be perfect as a defensive lineman so they recruited him and put him on defense and he was one of their better players so it's kind of like a deal where you know the combine has a guy that's slated as a a cornerback but matt rule looks at him he looks at his measurements and he says you know this guy would be much better as a safety so let's draft him as a safety. Um, you know, it's not necessarily just looking at like what his measurements are. It's looking at that plus what would he be better suited at playing, even if it's not what he has played in the past or is supposed to play. I don't know yeah, if I, I think explained that correctly, but I, you know, I was gonna say to kind of add on to that is like it's there's a difference between what like draft Twitter and people do where they're like this 40 yard dash time is unacceptable or like is, is acceptable. For example, yeah. You know, he had one bad drill. Useless. Yeah. Yeah. He had one bad drill where there's, a, there is value in looking at athleticism in it as a like total attribute, like all of the drills in their totality. Like if you just are a bad athlete that you're, that's a problem. If you have yeah. everything else, you can. <clears throat> Rashawn Gordon. <clears throat> Yeah, that's, that's not the easy example. And and then that's where the this stuff comes in, where if you have a certain measurements that profile better for different positions or whatever, 
or to be used a certain way. Yeah, it's just like, like the, the Seahawks are doing with DK Metcalf. You know, yes, yeah. his three-cone drill was terrible. Well, then don't put him in a position to have to use that. Just put him <laughs> on the outside the and slot. let him run nine yeah. routes and let him dominate corners. I mean, and that's what he does. You know, yeah. throw the fade to him on the, from the 20-yard line. I mean, it's you don't have to excel at every drill to be draftable, draft Twitter. I guess to outline what Brad and John are getting into here, for any of the people here who listen who aren't super keen on the draft or what goes into it, essentially what it sounds like Carolina has gone after finally is someone who takes the NFL athletes that are in the in college and looks at what they could translate to in the NFL rather than what they can be right now, which is something that is an old school mindset of drafting because most of the time, Nowadays, athletes who come out of college are not nearly as ready as they would have been for the NFL back in the day, not just because the NFL is more athletic, not because not just because the NFL is more offensive driven now, but because there's just a lot more shit people can do nowadays. So, yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you now when you're if you're listening to this, when when you're in the draft process, don't even think about falling in love with prospects um, unless they're Brian Burns. <clears throat> <laughs> but, you know, especially after about the second or third round, we're going to draft some crazy ass people that you never would have thought. And at first you're going to be like, huh? But it's it's not going to be like Edmund Kugbila, like somebody you've never heard of. But we're going to draft like a really fast linebacker from, you know, Northwest Illinois Tech or something. <laughs> And you're, you're going to, at first, you're going to be like, who in the hell is that guy? But just let it play out. Um, give it a chance and let it, let's see what the results are before we get mad. I think a lot of the stuff he says, it's, I'm going to tie it into basketball again. Sorry, oh, people that go. don't follow basketball. But <laughs> the Hornets' new, uh, new head coach is in his second year, James Borrego. I see a lot of parallels in the things they say, not, you know, in terms of like instilling a culture and, and then using a certain methodology to, to grow players and like meld a system around the talents of their players. And if anybody does, if you guys will pay attention, the Hornets are majorly overachieving this year with much young players that are just rapidly getting better. Yeah. They can't and even I, tank. Right. <laughs> yeah. But there's, there's, there's good and bad in that, but I think that's kind of what, the optimistic outlook on on rule is is that guys are going to come in here and there's going to be a system and they're all going to buy in because he seems to be really good at getting uh, people kids to buy in hopefully that translates to older adults and they'll just plug into the system and they'll be used in a way that fits their ability as opposed to having a rigid like system in place and trying to plug in players there whether it fits their talent or not yeah, the good news is you're not going to see Eric Reed covering wide receivers like Michael Thomas deep down the field anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, you know, he can't really do that. Um, the other good news is that Colin Jones will probably get a shot at running back after oh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, yes, do that, please. You know, uh, because I mean, I'm sure he saw the fake punt. I'm sure he saw how he fought for that yard. So I assume that's why he, I'm assuming that's why probably he, why the he took the job. I mean, yeah. come on. Um, you Superior know, athletes. So, yeah, exactly. He wants speed. And what does Colin Jones have? He has speed. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's all he's got, but he's got speed. <laughs> um, but you know, there, there is a fear that his, I, his tactics and his methods will not work with grown men who have millions of dollars and that it, it only works with impressionable college kids. But there is also the, the thought that if they're winning, it doesn't matter. And he signed a seven-year contract, so he's going to get a couple of years to rebuild from the ground up. Like David Tepper said, he wants Matt Rule to be like Chuck Noll was for the Steelers, where af- even after he leaves, we continue being a winning franchise. So I don't think he's going to get fired if the Panthers go 6-10 and 10 next year. Go Which what? is probably why he turned down the, the Cleveland interview that allegedly they offered him an interview and he turned it down. Um, so I do remember him saying that before the whole process even started, that he wasn't going to really like jump the to the NFL unless like the perfect opportunity presented itself. And despite the national media ranking the, the, the head coaching vacancies and being like, Oh, Carolina is like number three. I mean, this is a good place to be for a new head coach, especially oh, one who's offensive is. minded. We like, have we have elite talents on both sides, um, and if Cam Newton comes back healthy, we have even more elite talent. We have the number seven pick in the draft. Um, we have a, we have the richest owner in the league who's willing to invest. I mean, he's putting his own money where his mouth is. The fact that I do I before I don't want to forget about this, but. When I heard that Tepper wanted to bring along the sports science division because of rule or like for rule to come in, I was like, this guy's committed to this dude. Like they see eye to eye on things, which is exactly, which is really refreshing. And I'm sure John is over there like creaming his pants right now from the analytics (laughs) side of it. Because I'm I'm excited too. I like analytics too. Sports science is cool. I think, I think we have a chance to be unique in that regard. Yeah, I mean, as opposed we could, to what we were dealing with before in the me- on our team I mean, medical practicing side, in a, was, practicing in a ballroom because it was raining, it could historically you know. lead to a like you know a top offense with like a historically worse rush defense this year. But you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but we could still those, win fifty-one to forty-nine. That's still a win. That's true, and now, it's fun, and it's it fun. Yeah, <laughs> bring college football to the NFL. I'm in for that. One thing about about David Tepper while we're talking about him and his investment, I don't understand people who were mad about how much he's paying Matt Rule. <laughs> I've seen that criticism online on Twitter, on CSR, and other places. I don't understand it because number one, you're not paying a dime. It's not our money. We don't we don't have to pay. Number two, it doesn't count against the salary cap. It's not going to affect comp picks. It's not going to affect free agency. It's not going to affect any of that. David Tepper could give Matt Rule $3 billion if he wanted to. There's no rules against paying coaches. You can pay them whatever you want, however long you want. I mean, the the Raiders gave John Gruden a 10-year, $100 million contract. That's perfectly fine. Um, You know, there's, there's no rule against it. So we didn't break a rule. No pun intended. They're legitimately no pun intended. We got we got a rule though. We got a rule. Um, we we don't pay for it out of pocket. I don't think he's going to raise ticket prices to cover the cost. He might, but probably not until we're winning, so he can justify it by winning. 
and it's David Tepper's money. And he spent 70 million of his $9 billion in reserves. So all he cares about is investing in it to, to make, to make this a winning program. And it's like, it's like you spending an extra $5 at Starbucks tomorrow. I mean, that's, that's the scale we're talking about here. And it's probably not even that great. Uh, It's more like you spending an extra $1.75 at Starbucks tomorrow. So if your only complaint is how much money it involved, don't worry about it because it doesn't affect us. It doesn't affect anyone. And I've heard or seen the complaint that, well, it sets a new market for head coaches. Who cares? You know, unless until coaches' salaries become part of the salary cap, it doesn't matter. It's whatever owner is willing to pay whatever amount. And if David Tepper's willing to pay $70 million, potentially $70 million over seven years, that doesn't mean that Jimmy Haslam is willing to do that. That doesn't mean that um, – Jeffrey Lurie is willing to do that in Philadelphia. That doesn't mean the Maras are willing to do that. That doesn't mean Robert Kraft is willing to do that. That just means that David Tepper is willing to do it. So who cares? There's no reason as a fan to care about what the coach's salary is. Exactly. Even if it does raise the market of price of coaches, like one, we have a coach. We already so have right a now, coach. Yeah. So right, that doesn't affect us right now. And if it affects us down the line, again, it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter for the same reasons it doesn't matter right now. The only way, the only way it matters is twofold. If is if a it becomes part of the salary cap, which will never happen, the owners will never let it happen. Or b if David Tepper runs out of money, like that's the only and and we have to foot the bill. Like that's the only thing that ever could matter. Who cares how much money he makes? Agreed. I mean, it's just stupid. It's a stupid thing to even <laughs> be angry about. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, if you want to be angry about other stuff, like he's never been an NFL head coach. Uh, He only won at Baylor and Temple, like big deal, you know, things like that. Fine, go for it. But don't be mad about his salary. I want to get back on a couple of things about Matt Rule. And to answer something you said earlier about the uh, the criticism or the, the hesitancy about he's done in college or work in the NFL. And I think that's a lazy like complain, I guess, or lazy knock against him because it's just like if a person gets, they automatically can't use the same methods on. Like I can see that for guys like Jim Harbaugh or Nick Saban types that are really hard on their guys and are really, you know, can run them into the ground and demand respect and all that stuff. But if it's like, like a guy like Ron Rivera, for example, he does works with adults and would work with college kids. And Matt Rule seems to be more Ron or Davos or anything like that. Yeah. Sorry. The yeah, other- I mean, my only concern right now, honestly, it, and I think Rule is going to be fine. I, I don't think we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. But I think that the process is going to provide results that we're going to be happy with. I think we're going to see improvement and it's not going to be stale, which is probably the best part about this in the staleness that we've been through for the last three or four years. I mean, it takes a lot out of your ability to care about (laughs) watching the Panthers. Like I have not given a shit about 
watching the Panthers play football since the Super Bowl. And some of that is because of injuries and players being, you know, important players being hurt. But a lot of that is because it's just like I'm watching the same movie over and over again, and it's a shitty movie. And, you know, nobody wants to, it's like watching like Avatar The Last Airbender on repeat. Like nobody wants to do that because it's shitty. And I, I feel like there's, there's going to be a change and we may go three and 13 this year, but I feel like it'll be more entertaining of a product. And I care now, you know, I, I said this on CSR to yesterday and I've only been doing this for the last three or four years because I get paid to do so. That's been the only motivating factor I've had. I haven't been into it, so to speak, but right now I am. And that's, that's a positive thing. You know, I, I reserve the right to change my mind when we lose the first preseason game, you know, 21 to three, or whatever, but for right now, you know, be happy, be excited. You can be cautiously optimistic or pessimistic. That's fine, but there's no reason to outright hate this. Like there's, there's no reason for that. Yeah. There's boundless possibility right now. This isn't, this isn't the same Ron Rivera product they've been laying out for a long time. Um, This is David Tepper's attempt to move the franchise forward. Um, Healthy skepticism makes sense. Hating it right now, eh, I mean, you might have wanted somebody else as the off, as the head coach, but in the end, they were going to go in a new direction. It was going to be somebody that was, they were kind of, I'm not going to say swinging for the fences for, but it was going to be somebody where you're translating forward. It's not where you're taking somebody where they were successful in the past in the NFL and hoping they can replicate that. This is projecting. Yeah, I, I never thought, like, really thought we were going to hire somebody like Mike McCarthy or Marvin Lewis or I did, you know, Jason Garrett. I was scared that he would, <laughs> especially when he interviewed Mike McCarthy twice. But when David Tepper said he wanted someone young and forward thinking, I knew that that pretty much ruled out guys like Mike McCarthy. Now, I will not lie, I was afraid that he was going to do it. Um, but I, Matt rule, isn't even the guy I wanted at, at least he wasn't first on my list. He was second on my list. I wanted Eric B mm-hmm. and you know, I'm fine with not hiring Eric B but I do think he deserves to be a head coach. Uh, and I hope that someone hires him, but I'm not gonna knock this hire too much until I have more information. Cause like, we don't even know who the coordinators are yet. He hasn't even. He hasn't even hired his staff yet. That's a good segue, Brian, by the way. Bill Bill Vogt seems to think that it's going to be a a very exciting staff, or he's excited about it, or he's acting like he's excited about it. I have reservations about that, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I mean, so looking at the staff, obviously offensive coordinator, while they could go in and get a guy like Jason Garrett, for example, in the end, it doesn't really matter because Jason Garrett is apparently being hired by the Giants, by the way. Oh, is he? After they just For, hired to be, a, to be their uh, offensive coordinator. After they just hired I, a guy I with do no wanna, offensive yeah, coordinator experience I was, to be a head coach. I wanted to yeah. talk about the Giants along with, with Washington about 
when is like the Panthers hired Matt Rule, and then it was like immediately it was like, oh yeah, well we didn't want him anyway. We wanted yeah. this other. We're gonna guy. hire. Who can we hire now? Oh, the Patriots wide receivers coach. Come on down. <laughs> yep. Go ahead, John. Tell us about it. Well, that was no. That was pretty much it. I wanted. Oh, okay. To bring it up <laughs> I just want to bring it up. The the, the fact yeah. that they like it seemed because everybody in the, especially in the New York media was like, yes. So when Matt rule gets hired as the giants head coach, this is what's going to happen. And this is what he's going to bring to the table and all that stuff. And, and the best part about it is, is apparently when David Tepper offered him the contract, he called the giants and said, Hey, David Tepper just offered me this contract. All you have to do is give me the exact same contract and I will work for you instead. And they told him no. <laughs> Jesus. Like he didn't say you need to do better than this. Add a year, add $10 million, give me vice president of whatever. No, he said, I want the exact same deal from, from you and I'll take the job with you instead. And they said no. And then they hired the Patriots wide receiver slash special teams coach and allegedly Jason Garrett. The thing, my favorite thing about it was how fast it was. Like, it, it was like if Matt Rule was supposed to be the guy all along and then it took them, what, like two hours after the reports came out to be like, nope, Joe Judge, that's our guy. Yeah. He's been our guy. We, 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 who was that Matt Rule guy? We didn't want him. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm conditioned to root against the Giants and Dave Gettleman and stuff, but it seemed like a panic move or like a saving face. Like, if we we have to hurry up and announce a guy fast or else it's going to look like we need to make it look like we already had somebody else in mind anyway, so it doesn't look like we missed out. Yeah. But anyway, were you going to talk about the staff or who you guys wanted on the staff? Yeah, yeah, I think we, we should because it's rule. important. Um, Brian, I know you want a certain defensive coordinator that a lot of people on CSR and a lot of Panthers fans do not want for reasons I will never understand. Um, but why I don't, want, why don't you I talk want, about it? I want Wade Phillips because – People not want Wade Phillips? There are people who do not want Wade Phillips. Which it doesn't make sense to me why they wouldn't. Like you just hired a head coach who – is like new to the NFL essentially as a head coach. I know he's had experience all over as a positions coach, but he is a new head coach. Their head, their offensive coordinator in all likelihood is going to be somebody else who's young without a lot of experience. Um, so why wouldn't you bring in a guy to be your defensive coordinator who has head coaching experience, who doesn't want anything else other than to be a defensive coordinator and who beat the shit out of your team four years ago in the, in the Super Bowl and cost you what would have been one of the best seasons of all time. Just like what? Come on now. I'd be fine with for it or like pounding the table for him or anything. But if we hire Wade Phillips, I'll probably be like, all right, here we go. I'm excited about this. I, I agree with Brian. I want Wade Phillips. Uh, if we're going to stay with the three, four defensive alignment and get the most out of Brian Burns that we spent a first round draft pick on, Wade Phillips is perfect for that. Um, I don't understand why you don't want Wade Phillips just because he was the defensive coordinator during the Super Bowl that we lost. That sounds like bitterness. 
and sore loser. As if he as if he coached a bad game. Yeah, as if he, he he's the reason they won the game. Like if Wade Phillips were our defensive coordinator, we would have won the Super Bowl that year. Um also if anyone other than Ron Rivera were our head coach, we might have still had a shot because we could have adjusted to what he was doing. Maybe like but, Sean McDermott. <laughs> yeah. Um but you know Wade Phillips is a respected name in the NFL. He knows what he's doing. He has, he's a great defensive coordinator. He's a shitty head coach. Uh, and he knows a, that. And he knows that he's the North Turner of defense. Like he knows he's a terrible head coach, uh, but he's a good coordinator. And I think that he would be a good hire. Um, the speculation is that Matt rule is going to bring Phil snow with him from Baylor. I wouldn't hate that either. I would not prefer it. Uh, just because he's never done it in in the NFL. Yes, Baylor's defense was good if you compare it to the rest of their conference in the Big 12. And, John, I think you shared this earlier today. They averaged, what was it, 19 points a game? Yeah, they allowed 19 points a game, which is actually like – Yeah, well, that's that impressive. was their, their total in which it's good for – it's very good for the Big 12 and it was also like somewhere – it was not like – elite but it was something like the top 20 ish 25 in the country yeah, giving up 19 points in the big a game in the big 12 is like the 2000 ravens level defense yeah because i mean those the big 12 scores are like 51 to 58 like frequently and you know i i don't think it would be the worst hire like it's not it's not like bringing in um you know, Eric Washington or keeping Eric Washington. So I I think I would prefer somebody like Wade Phillips, but I wouldn't be mad if it was Phil Snow. I think I could get on board with a Phil Snow if they brought in someone to be like a positional or assistant head coach who was a former defensive coordinator. Like, yeah, like Steve Wilts can come back and coach the secondary again. I mean, or, I know where I know where people no, are going like to hate that. People are going to hate this suggestion, but like if they if they like kept Perry Fuel on, for example, like I don't think they would do that because it would be no. awkward. No, it was stupid. They I, shouldn't I do that. Hate that. I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, but like I think what's lost on people and something that the Panthers actually did this past off season was they brought in guys with former head coaching experience. Now, granted, they already had Ron Rivera, so it wasn't like these guys were going to change their philosophies that much. But when you have a younger guy who isn't experienced with this, you bring in guys who can who you can take some of that, that um, stress off of where you can, you know, move responsibilities around where he doesn't have to focus as much on being the, the Ron Rivera of the, of the, entire staff where he can focus on what he's good at. It makes sense to bring in guys who are positional coaches elsewhere who have that experience in the NFL. You know who we should hire to be our defensive coordinator? And you're probably going to laugh at this until I tell you why. Marvin Lewis. I wouldn't hate that. Marvin Lewis was the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator from 1996 to 2001. He just couldn't leave the Bengals to shit, but he was never he, he's horrible. not a he's not a head coach. Yeah. He was but, never horrible for them though. No, he just he, couldn't he push won him to the, the NFC level. North with the Bengals 
more than once. He went to the playoffs like eight or nine times. Yes, he lost in the first round every time, but that's the way life goes sometimes. Um, They went to the playoffs five years in a row. He did this in Cincinnati, by the way, um, which is in the same division as Pittsburgh and Baltimore. That's an accomplishment. And Cleveland. Don't forget about them. Well, they, they're never competing for the playoffs, but, you know. Don't you um, ever hate on Hoyer the Destroyer. Yeah, that is All true. All right. Um, but I think Marvin Lewis would be a good defensive coordinator. He's currently a special advisor for um, Arizona State. And, I I mean, he, he's not working in the NFL right now. So, you yeah. know. Give I would all. just worry that a guy like that is would be like a it's like – I yeah. would prefer to see David Tepper. So, like a million years ago. I would prefer to see David Tepper take the. So, do you guys remember when David Tepper was talking about um, prior to firing Ron Rivera? He was talking about bringing in like a ton of different people and like letting them all work together when it came to like scouting, where it was like a bunch of different names in the room to all like talk about things and come to conclusions together. I almost kind of want to see him bring in like a younger defensive coordinator, like him be like the face, like this is your, this is the Panthers defensive coordinator when you Google the guy, but bring in like an assistant, like a veteran dude. And they essentially be co-defensive coordinators for a guy like Matt Rule, where it's not like he's going to be coaching the defense. So special assistant to the the regional manager. Yeah, yeah, or, or <laughs> Phil Snow and Wade Phillips, or Phil Snow and Steve Wilkes, or you know, you get the point. But yeah, I, hey, I Phil think Snow and Steve Wilkes, idea. I can get behind that. I can hundred yeah, percent. I, well, I don't want anybody idea. from Ron Rivera's coaching tree here anymore. We need to get all of that out of here. But how much of how much is? I don't want to get on too much of a tangent with this, but how much is Steve Wilkes? Oh, you know what? I guess he was there with Ron in San Diego. Too. Yes, he, so I guess yeah. That bombs that, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think that I am really, really excited to see what they do with the defensive coordinator hunt because I liked how I liked how they did the head coaching hunt, and I feel like Rule is going to bring that same way of going about things. And I think that David Tepper will be involved there too. So I feel like we're going to see several stories of people getting interviewed where it's not going to be like, Oh, this guy by default is coming in. Like, you know, when Ron Rivera went to Washington and brought in every fucking coordinator he ever had. So. Oh yeah. Can we talk about that? I want to wrap yeah, up let's the talk show. About that. I think of the Giants and the, and Washington. Ron Rivera literally staff from his, the failed last couple of years. Carolina. Oh yeah, so we're not about offensive coordinators. <laughs> what? We're not going to talk about offensive coordinator coordinators really for the Panthers. Does I mean, it does I mean, matter. I don't. I don't know who it would be though. I mean, I, I don't. Well, it's the, it, Mike the rumor Shula. is currently that it's Sean Ryan. Yeah, the Lions. Or, he offensive currently, he's coach. currently the Lions' quarterbacks coach. He was also New York's um, wide receivers coach in. Odell Beckham Jr.'s rookie year, and he was the Texans' quarterbacks coach in Deshaun Watson's rookie year. So, strong resume. It's a kinda, strong resume, and he kind of weird he didn't stick around longer though. Hmm. Well, he 
Well, he would have left when they got like when uh, McAdoo got fired. Yeah, he left. He left New, New, York New York when McAdoo got fired, and then I don't know why he went from the Texans to the Lions, but he, he might have gotten like an extra like a promotion or whatever. The one or thing Matthew I do want to say is, is a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. Maybe that maybe that's <laughs> that is patently sure. false, but okay. I want to I want to forty minutes into the show where it's very appropriate, but I think in general. People in like candidates' resumes and their current positions when deciding whether or not they'll be good in a new position, and it doesn't make any sense. Like people are talking about, like when we were t- interviewing Eric Bieniemy, where it's like, "Oh, this is well, how much of the offense is his?" It's like that doesn't really matter because we're not hiring him to be an offensive coordinator. He's gonna be a head yeah. coach. It's a different job. And Andy Reid said he's can he's ready to be a head coach. Yeah. Andy Reid is one of the probably four best head coaches currently employed in the league and a top 10 coach of the last 25 years. He knows what he's talking about. And it hurts me to say that (laughs) because I hate Andy Reid, but he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And then then like with uh, the guy from Detroit, I can't remember his name, but it's like his his resume is good. But then it's like, oh, but he was with the Lions and the Lions offense wasn't good that year, this year or their backup quarterbacks weren't good. And it's like, but he's, we're not asking him to come in here and make the quarterbacks better. We're asking him to come in here and like run an offense. Like the best way without actually having them in that current job like or anything else like that, the best way to get a feel for how good they'll be at their job is to like sit down and talk to them and yeah. interview them and ask about their philosophies. And stuff. We don't have access to that. We're really just guessing. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're guessing based on their past production, which honestly, Ryan does have the fact that Matthew Stafford was pretty fucking good this year before he got hurt. So Yeah, he was having a career year before he got hurt. I mean, he he's kind of like, like Andy Reid's coaching tree. It seems like wherever he goes, he's successful. And I think if you can be successful in more than one place – then you're probably successful. Like there's a chance that you're pretty good at what you do. That's the only real counterpoint there is to John's point, which is correct. I'm not going to say that you're wrong, John, but the the only thing you can look at outside of like sitting down with them and talking with them is how productive have they been at the job they were given where they were. So I mean, he's directly responsible or indirectly responsible for two of the greatest rookie seasons we've seen in the last 15 years. Yep. With OBJ and, and Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, it's it wouldn't be the worst hire. No, certainly not. And honestly, an upgraded offensive coordinator is somebody who doesn't call a power trap on first and 10 on the first play of the game every goddamn time. <laughs> Plus, sometimes you have to remember, too, that some of the best offensive coordinators come from places where you wouldn't expect them to, I guess. Like a uh, good example, Byron Leftwich for the Buccaneers. Yeah. Another good example. Um, his name is escaping me, but the Cowboys offensive coordinator from this past season. Kellen Moore. Yeah, Kellen Moore. Like those were just two guys who weren't really worth a whole lot. Like it kind of becomes your your head coach's ability to scout talent at that point. And I wouldn't be surprised for him to see him hire. Like, 
I don't know, Jimmy Clausen to be his offensive coordinator. Like, as much as everyone would probably be like, what the fuck with that? But like a former quarterback to work with a offensive coordinator, or I should say a head coach who has an offensive background, I wouldn't hate that. Could you imagine Jimmy Clausen being Cam Newton's offensive coordinator? Can that you would just imagine those two sitting yeah. on the sideline <laughs> together? <laughs> that like would be Cam the Newton funniest thing ever. Cam Newton is ridiculous hat with Jimmy Clausen in like coaching outfit, like <laughs> going over plays on a fucking tablet. Like, my God, <laughs> I would pay money to see that. That would be great. I mean, I bet it would work. It, it probably would. I mean, he fits the profile of the guys that Ryan's just named of like washed up quarterbacks that were like, eh, he okay. knows what not to do. I mean, yeah, <laughs> those who can't do teach and he could definitely not do. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you have to remember, too, to teach. just because those quarterbacks were bad in the NFL doesn't mean they don't understand the game. Yeah, there's nine like, times physical. out of 10. The best coaches are the ones that were either mediocre or bad as players. Yeah, because there's like an element of you had to overcome like athletic uh, limits, not limitations, but disadvantages compared to competition. And you couldn't yeah. rely on it's raw like talent to get to you. Like Steve Kerr was a, a three-point specialist. That's literally the only thing he could do. He's a good coach. Michael Jordan would be a terrible coach because all he could tell them is just go out there and dominate. Just go yeah. be Michael Jordan. Just go do it. <laughs> I um, have not that hard. Yeah, I have a fun random bit we can end the show with unless we want to discuss anything else. John wants to talk about the Washington and Giants hires because we we deserve to ridicule them. Well, so let's hired. I know he hired today or yesterday. He's hired Scott Turner as his offensive coordinator, which was funny as shit. He hired John Matsko and Ryan Vermillion too. Boy, because we did such a good job staying healthy and. Having a I solid- swear to God, I'm telling you, I said this in, in a CSR thread. I'm saying it on the podcast, too. You can mark it down. Our inj- quote-unquote injury luck is going to get better. Hopefully, at the very least, we stop having the recurrence of injuries that we had seem to be plagued by. I swear, I, I genuinely believe that Ryan Vermillion's method of treating injuries was to just beat the shit out of them while they were <laughs> in a hospital bed. He also hired... Uh, Jim Hostler, our wide receivers coach from the Panthers. To go now that one, to. that one actually kind of bums me out because he was seem he seemed to be getting the best out of some of our wideouts. Ben Jacobs is going up there as well. No, Ben Jacobs. Wow, uh-huh. he's also having he Steve Russ, former staff. linebacker coach. Steve Russ is going up there. So he's almost in, every assistant that he had here. Ron's just basically being like, fuck you, Tepper. My staff was fine. Yeah. That's, that's essentially what he's doing. Like, yeah. Probably Has not. Has he hired wow. Richard Rogers yet? No. I mean, it's understood that he's going to get a job there. It's just a matter it of. It would be the upset of, this, of the decade if Richard Rogers. I think Rogers Richard Rogers will get hired. With, yeah. With Washington. <laughs> And my favorite thing is, is he's probably going to wait until he only has one spot left and it's going to be something random as hell, like nothing defensive, to do with what he... defensive line assistant or some shit. Yeah. And it's gonna have nothing to do with what Richard Rogers is good at, which is tight. Richard end. Rogers will be the equipment specialist for the Washington redacteds. <laughs> Cause Richard Rogers was, was Rivera's teammate um, at Cal. And he, I want to say he was a tight end. 
Let's that would make sense since his son is a tight end. I'm going to look it but up to be not 100 sure on that. Sure. Let's see. I do find it funny though that Ron is just like bringing everybody over and being like, "We're going to be successful here, guys. This is our new thing." Second time's the charm. Yep. We went to the playoffs four times in Carolina. We know what we're doing. We sure do. We're going to ignore that one of those times is with a losing record because that makes us sound worse. We're also going to ignore the fact that he had Cam Newton and Luke Keekley for both of those years, two players of which (laughs) Washington does not have the caliber of at all. They do not. That said, they could trade for Luke Keekley, so let's see. That would that would suck, real talk, if they did that somehow. Yeah, just we're just like, you know what? Fine. We we don't want you anymore. Old regime. Washington has Luke Keekley and Josh Norman as stalwarts on that defense. Brings back Captain Munderland and Julius Peppers. <laughs> Thomas Davis goes there. Kurt Coleman goes there. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. I, I was actually I, – I, I was wrong. He played defensive back at Cal. Oh. Not, His son played that, that explains why he was the defensive back's coach. But he's also been a special teams coordinator. He's been – and he was the special teams coordinator because he, he handled two of the five laterals on that play <laughs> where the band is out on the field. He was one of the – I think he was the lateral just before the touchdown. And that's apparently, according to Ron Rivera, that's all he needs to know that, that Richard Rogers is a coach for life. A coaching stalwart. Um, He's li- he has been with the Panthers for eight years. God damn it. I hate Richard Rogers. I'm sorry. He seems like a nice guy, <laughs> but I hate him so much. Like, he doesn't even have, like, the Brenton Burson or Colin Jones level of, like, hate for me, because at least, like, Brenton Burson and, like, Colin Jones had their shining moments at times, but he just always had horrible unit problems happen, and he just got relegated to something else. Instead of being fired. Like, come on now. We should all hope to be so lucky that when we fail at our job, just get moved to a new job. Yep. If I ever fail as social media coordinator, you bet your ass <laughs> that Brad's going to move me to senior writer on Sundays. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so I did have a fun little exercise I wanted to do just for shits and giggles because of the way that our conversations went. Um, so if you could pick two former Panthers who weren't really that good at their jobs to be coaches for the next regime, who would they be? Like you, you, one on offense and one on defense. Yeah, Rashawn Galden for defensive coordinator. <laughs> That's a fresh one, but all right, I'll take it. So, like a player that was bad, but then make yeah, him like a coach. Yeah, a player that was bad that could be a coach. Like as we were talking about, like Jimmy Clausen being the offensive coordinator for the Panthers, something like that, along those lines. <laughs> More serious, Colin Jones would probably be a good coach. I think he'd be an excellent special teams coordinator. Yeah. I mean, like, he had a larger career than Wes Horton. 
what? <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. No, at all. You're not wrong. <laughs> That's a spicy take, though. There are people who think Wes Horton's pretty deep. <laughs> He's actually hey, not. I mean, horrible. he's got to do something like, right if he's, he's if he's, he's hanging around without being a very good player. Yeah, I mean, he's not terrible. He's just not good. He had like, like he's, five forced fumbles the one year. He's like the fifty third guy on the roster. Like he's he's not terrible, but there are better players than him on the team. I agree. And he did have like five forced fumbles that one year, so you know he has a, a job for life. My take would be Cameron Artis Payne as running back coach. Why? Because he had been here for so long. Well, we don't even know if he's bad or good. We never really got a good look at him. That's true. That's my offensive one. <laughs> Brenton Burson, wide receivers coach. I didn't correct. want to take the obvious one, but that is correct. <laughs> the correct answer. Yeah. John, anybody? I said Wes Horton. Uh, on offense? Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know. Chris Mann hurts. <laughs> but he's still on the team. <laughs> Just do the Ben Jacobs and immediately go from player to coaching your position you were just playing at. Like Jericho Cotchery. There you go. There That's you a go. good. This is a good exercise. He for, actually is a wide receiver. Future podcast. Yes, he is. Uh, yes, he is. Um, but a good exercise for a for a future show, of the fifty three men on the roster, who is going to not be here next year? Like Ooh. who are the? You know, there's obviously the untouchables like Christian McCaffrey, Luke Keekley, Cam, uh, probably. Um, but, Colin Jones. Yeah, Colin Jones. Uh, but like Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Brian Burns. You know those guys, but who are the guys that probably like the Ron guys? Either. Yeah, like like Chris Manhurts, for example, or yeah. DeAndre White, or <laughs> Reggie Bonifon. Actually, I think Matt. I Rule think Reggie gets something out of Reggie Bonifon. Yeah, no, I, I said that in jest, just because I know we like to talk shit on Reggie Bonifon, but I actually think he's kind of locked and loaded as McCaffrey, like primary backup and what he does responsibility wise. And I think there's a chance that McCaffrey won't get 800 carries next year. Oh, that's a shockingly hot take. Um, so my last guy was Nate Sally for a defensive back coach. Oh, that's you're going like way back. You're going way back. Yeah. There's people listening to this who don't even know who in the hell that is. <laughs> I was I, I was trying to limit it to like players that under like Ron Rivera like recently. You never know when a guy might have a second coming. So <laughs> the exception, not the rule. Oh yeah. man, there are gonna be so many puns. It's probably gonna get old. It's gonna get real old real quick. <laughs> I would imagine in the next month or so it probably will. There's only yeah, so much you I'm can gonna, do with that. I'm going to try and not use him as much until the season starts. But I'm just going to call I'm, him I'm Arnold. Go ahead and warn you guys now: headlines are going to be puns. Um, when we win, it's going to be Panther School <laughs> over the Vikings or whatever. I, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you now: I'm not sorry. Especially the his first win, you have to like contractually use yeah. like Panthers rule the day. Yes. Or something. I, I am not sorry. I'm telling you now. 
but I'm going to try not to overdo them between <laughs> now and the season because I don't want it to get old. The best, but I know that's not. I know that's not going to happen, or it's it's going to happen no matter what because things get old on CSR very quickly. Anyway, um, the best <laughs> thing you can do is when the Panthers open the 2020 NFL playoffs with a first round bye. When you open up that, how you can watch the game, you say how you can watch the game as the Panthers welcome up the open or open the welcome mat against that team. And there you go. You change that <laughs> right around. Panthers rule the South. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we've, uh, we've about, we've about done enough with this podcast. I think. Yeah. The sky is not falling. Nope. Just because we didn't hire your guy doesn't mean the world is coming to an end. It's going to be okay. And if it's not, then David Tepper will fire him. Yep. And we'll start over. That's just when you take risks, that's sometimes that's what happens. But scared money don't make money. Nope. We have certainly not ruled out a sudden firing at the end of this year. So. I I absolutely doubt that that unless rule comes out in like murder sir purr or some shit <laughs> just um, stabs him to death on the sideline. <laughs> but uh, I or takes a piss on the the Sam Mills statue or something. You know, I don't think I don't think he's going to get fired. I mean, even unless we go zero and sixteen, you know, I don't think he gets the rule keep pounding. Unless he's like Freddie Kitchens level. Unless he's Freddie Kitchens level incompetent, I don't think we'll draw don't plays think to win games. We draw plays yeah. to look like a football team. Yeah, I don't think he'll get fired before like year three. Like yeah, I think he's going to at least get three years. Nah, that's fair. I think that Tepper will give him plenty of time since it's his dude now. So because I mean I know people don't want to admit it or talk about it, but this is a rebuilding project. Not with Cam Newton, Brad. It's not as serious of a rebuild as some teams, but it is a rebuild. I guess we'll see. We didn't really get into the whole Cam Newton thing. I think that's a good thing to uh, talk about in the coming weeks once they've decided their the rest of their coaching staff, I think. so. Yeah, there's there's no reason to talk about Cam until we have more information. So... But thank you for tuning in to the 2020 inaugural Keep Sounding podcast, where we got to talk about Matt Rule becoming the head coach for the Carolina Panthers. There should be plenty more to come along. I'm not sure when the next one will be because it's the offseason. The offseason kind of sucks, but hopefully in the next week or two, we'll have some time to talk with you guys. But from all of us here at the Keep Sounding podcast, this is Brad and John and Brian, myself. And uh, have a good start to your year, and uh, should be a fun time watching the Panthers find their next group of coaches. See you guys. Later. Keeps the football, takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff, and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown of the night. Newton keeps, lowers his shoulder, and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shovel pass for Caffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart, and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keating. 
He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know, 